The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. The CDC is banning evictions through the end of the year for people who've lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. But as Yasmin Juma reports, it's not without controversy. In an order issued this week, the CDC says housing stability can effectively slow the spread of COVID-19. Because if people lose their homes, their risk of contracting the disease increases with moving into highly populated areas like shelters. A statewide apartment managers association opposes the measure. The group says the rental housing industry can't, quote, continue picking up the tab for the government's shortcomings. Virginia lawmakers are also taking up a bill at the special session that could freeze evictions statewide through the end of the governor's state of emergency and three months beyond. Yasmin Jama, VPM News. Two Virginia voters are suing to prevent rapper Kanye West from appearing on Virginia's ballot as a candidate for president. They say they were misled into signing his paperwork. In a response filed yesterday, Attorney General Mark Herring called the evidence of election fraud concerning and urged a swift verdict. A hearing in that case is scheduled for this afternoon at 2.30. There's not much time to change the ballots. York County Registrar Walt Latham says he's planning on sending his proofs to the printer today. We're trying to get ready. We're dealing with the pandemic. We're trying to get ready for in-person voting, which we're going to have a lot of people showing up on September 18th for that. And so this is just something else that's hanging. Registrars are also watching a lawsuit filed by Richmond lawyer Paul Goldman. He's challenging the language of a ballot question related to a proposed constitutional amendment on redistricting. Community activists are criticizing the police response to protests earlier this week outside the Richmond jail. The clash ended in 11 arrests for disorderly conduct, obstruction of justice, and impeding the flow of traffic. Whitney Evans reports. Richmond police were assisting the sheriff's office with protesters who had refused to move from jail property after being ordered to do so. One person on a bicycle was tackled by police after he tried to block a tow truck that officers called to remove an illegally parked car. Other protesters were charged for trying to interfere with his arrest. Deputy Police Chief Sidney Collier. If you're going to stand in front of a truck and say, well, I don't care what you're doing, I'm going to stop you. You're in violation. Local activist Chelsea Higgs-Wise says police were using the tow truck and parking fees to silence protesters. It's using state power to inflict state violence. Protesters were outside Tuesday to condemn conditions at the jail. More than 100 inmates recently tested positive for COVID-19. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Virginia is closer to permitting people with criminal convictions to have their records cleared automatically after eight years if they don't get into any more trouble. The House Courts of Justice Committee advanced a bill yesterday to allow automatic expungements for a list of almost 200 crimes, including marijuana possession. The change does not apply to crimes that involve violence or injury to others. Democratic Delegate Mike Mullen spoke in favor of the bill before it passed on a party-line vote. This is one of the most significant change-of-life bills for people with addiction that has come out of this body in a generation. The bill clarifies that people do not have to disclose cleared convictions when they're applying for jobs or housing. The Commonwealth Institute for Fiscal Analysis says about 1.6 million people in Virginia have a past criminal record. Four courts across the state received approval to resume jury trials. 
Virginia Lawyers Weekly reports that the Virginia Supreme Court has approved plans for Norfolk, as well as Allegheny, Henrico, and Stafford counties to resume jury trials as soon as September 14th. All jurisdictions must submit plans for resuming trials for approval. The plans must include safety measures focused on mask compliance and mandatory breaks for hand washing and cleaning procedures. Jury trials were previously banned under an emergency order due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Virginia General Assembly will not mandate that every public school has a nurse. Republican Senator Jen Kiggins, who's a nurse practitioner, sponsored the bill. It was voted down by the Senate Finance Committee yesterday morning. Democratic Senator Janet Howell says the mandate would require more money from the state, which is currently dealing with budget shortfalls from COVID-19. I think that in the middle of a pandemic, when schools have already done their hiring and already are dealing with the situation, this is just not the right time. Howell says that although it's an important issue, it should wait until the next session. Currently, the Virginia Department of Education does not require a full-time nurse at every school. After only a few weeks of being open, Virginia Commonwealth University currently has 93 active coronavirus cases among students and staff. More than 120 students living on campus are currently in quarantine or isolation. Local Health Department Director Dr. Danny Avula says that while the numbers might sound concerning, there aren't many clusters of infection around the campus. The vast majority of those cases were really isolated to one significant exposure, a large gathering of students, and then the the subsequent fallout from some of those students being exposed and then exposing their housemates. Avula said health officials are working with VCU to determine when they might need to pull back from in-person classes. He says they aren't at that point yet. Richmond City Councilwoman Kim Gray isn't backing off from her call to investigate Mayor LeVar Stoney's handling of a $1.8 million contract. Gray previously requested that Commonwealth's attorney Colette McEachin look into the contract to remove 14 Confederate statues and symbols, which was awarded to one of Stoney's campaign donors. McEachin declined, saying that same donor also gave to her husband's campaign in 2011. An investigation would also require a request from the governor or attorney general. In a letter sent yesterday, Gray asked McEachin to recuse herself and to get the attorney general's office involved. It's illegal for lawmakers in the General Assembly to raise money during their regular sessions, but those rules don't apply to special sessions like the one they're in right now. VPM's politics reporter Ben Pavier sat down with VPM News Director Craig Carper to talk about those fundraising rules. Ben, you found lots of examples of lawmakers fundraising since the special session started on August 18th, but I wanted to start with one that caught my attention, a golf tournament in Norfolk hosted by Democratic Delegate Joseph Lindsay. Tell me a little bit about that event. This was the annual Lindsay Golf Tournament, and it happened on the third day of the special session. Lindsay actually checked into that day's virtual session from the clubhouse. As soon as that was over, he went and joined the donors. Lindsay told me this was planned months in advance, and he'd already collected most of the contributions a long time ago. He says there was absolutely no conflict of interest. You know, if it were a situation where I I was capitalizing on the setting of, of the special uh, session and I said, "Hey, come see me. Come bring me money. That's the only way you can have access to me." Yeah, that that would be problematic for me. It's worth noting that Lindsay is head of the House Committee that oversees campaign finance reform, but as he's pointed out, he's hardly alone in this practice of raising money during the special session. So, who else is doing it? Well, Craig, it's almost harder to find lawmakers who aren't doing it. A Republican senator, Ben Chafin, charged up to $5,000 a plate for a fundraising dinner last week. A few days later, a Henrico County civics teacher, Democratic Delegate Skylar Van Valkenburg, held a virtual back-to-school fundraiser with Senator Jennifer McClellan. McClellan and other candidates for governor, Democrats and Republicans, have been sending out fundraising emails. 
Then there's Speaker of the House Eileen Fillercorn. Her fundraising wing has taken in $35,000 since the session began. That includes a contribution from a donor who has lobbied against a piece of legislation related to utility payments. That bill hasn't gotten a hearing yet, and that process is controlled by the Speaker. Now, help unpack that for me a bit. Are the two things linked? Her spokesman says they're absolutely not related. He says the Speaker is not actively soliciting donations and traced the contribution back to a July fundraising campaign. The donor, a group representing electrical co-ops, says they were just slow to process their $15,000 check and send it out. And they say they've come around on the legislation, though as I said, it hasn't gotten a hearing. And I can see how this would just be coincidence, but I've been covering the General Assembly for years and it would be illegal if a lawmaker did this during the regular session. So what's the argument for allowing it? To get at that, I talked to Jeff Ryer. He's a spokesman for the GOP Senate caucus. He says that it's been a really bad year for fundraising because of the pandemic. Ryer says there are also logistical complications to stopping donations during special sessions. First of all, you can't plan for when the special is going to be exactly. You can't suddenly suspend and and get rid of uh, events frequently that have been planned for some time. Uh, It just isn't it isn't practical. Ryer says they're using this money to pay for staff, constituent services, and in the case of the House, their re-election campaign next year. To understand the argument for reining in these donations, I talked to Josh Stanfield. He's an activist with Activate Virginia, a progressive group focused on transparency. Stanfield says there's an easy fix for politicians worried about the appearance of conflict of interest. They can stop people from making, from asking these questions and making these insinuations by either changing campaign finance law or simply, as, a, as, a, as internal policy, not asking for or accepting contributions. We'll see if there's enough momentum to actually change anything when the General Assembly meets in January. Until then, I expect we'll continue to see plenty of fundraising. All right, Ben, thanks for breaking this down for us. Happy to do it. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.